Publisher Podcast, Episode 15. This is a really fun interview that I'm doing with A.K. Turner. She talks about her journey to become a New York Times bestseller. And what I want to encourage everyone to take away from this episode is that there's so many people who believe this is just going to happen for them right out the gate. They're going to launch their first book. They're immediately going to have the success and the sales and all of the things. And you know what? Sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. But the cool part is that it still can happen. In this interview, A.K. Turner tells me about how it took several years before she actually hit the New York Times bestseller list. She talks about her process, what she went through. She talks about her um, experience with an agent and what she learned um, through that. And then what she did that eventually wound up in her having enough sales to hit one of the lists. So it's a fun interview. A.K. Turner is really fun. And um, I very much enjoyed recording this. This interview is from a couple of years ago from the Women in Publishing Summit a few years ago. So there may be some information that is outdated. So please listen with that in mind. But um, if you haven't gotten your ticket to this year's event yet, please head over to womeninpublishingsummit.com. We have so much phenomenal information to you, and interviews like this just give you a tiny little sneak peek at what is happening um, in the big event. So I hope to see you there. Um, And if not, Keep enjoying the podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far, I would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, all of those things so that other people share it with your writer friends, with your publishing friends, anybody who might enjoy this. All those things help us reach a bigger audience and allow us to have a bigger impact, which is what we want to do. All right. Thanks so much. Enjoy this interview. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your way. Okay, hello ladies, welcome to another interview. Today, I am super excited to invite someone who I've been friends with on Facebook for quite a while, but didn't know we were friends kind of situation, A.K. Turner, Amanda Turner. So do you go by A.K. on your on your books? Yes, I write as A.K., but everybody calls me Amanda. Awesome. Okay. A.K. Turner is the New York Times bestselling author of listen to this one, moms, you're going to love this. This little piggy went to the liquor. Mommy had a little flask and hair of the corn dog. Her award-winning vagabonding with kids series chronicles her family's travels around the world. She's also contributed to numerous anthologies, including I Just Want to Be Alone, I Just Want to Be Perfect, and Leave the Lipstick, Take the Iguana. Her works have received a starred review from Publishers Weekly, IPPY Awards in Humor and Travel, Forward Indies Awards, Independent Press Distinguished Favorite, and Inclusion in Book Life's Top 5 Indie Books of 2014. Those are some huge awards, so congratulations. That's not Thank easy. Thank you. <laughs> She's traveled to Greece, Ireland, France, the Czech Republic, Finland, Germany, Canada, the Netherlands, and Italy, and completed extended trips to Russia, Palau, Mexico, Morocco, England, Wow. She's a traveler. So um, thank you so much for being here and being willing to share your story and insights and tips for success with us. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. 
So let's just get right to the what decided you to write about these topics. And did you, I feel like you may have started as a mom blogger. Did it come from that? Or did you just jump straight into, hey, I'm going to write a book about these experiences? I have had an on again, off again relationship with blogging, um, but I'm not really a blogger. I, I write books. That's really what I'm good at. And I, I'll go through phases where I'm like, ah, I need to be blogging. Everybody tells me I need to be blogging, but that's really not where my strength is. So um, I focus on on books. I, what, I knew that I wanted to write for many years before I knew what it was I should be writing. You know, I mean, everybody, lots of people have that compulsion to write, but they don't know, am I trying to write the great American novel or horror or romance, you know? So I think for some of us, it takes a while to find our genre, to find our niche. So I had a collection of essays, nonfiction essays, and some were humorous and some were heavy and it just really ran the gamut. And I got contacted well, I went to a, a big writers conference and had some agents and editors look at my work. And I had an editor at Penguin who read a chapter and she was like, "I love this," and send me the whole thing. And I sent her the whole thing, and she said, um, "Don't you know that you're a humor writer? You need to cut <laughs> out all this serious stuff and get a funny name, and that that would eventually become this little piggy went to the liquor store." Um, but I, that, that first book is really about all of the ridiculousness that you experience when you become a parent for the first time, how you will have one person say, this is the way you must do this. And right. another person will say, oh no, this is the way. And they're, they're both so sure that they're right. And they both could be completely wrong for you. So I, it's, it's humor, but I also sort of wanted to highlight a lot of the crap that is thrust on new moms in terms of what you should and shouldn't do. I love that. That's great. So, okay. You knew you were a writer. You decided to write books. You found you were lucky. You had a connection with somebody in the, so you are um, traditionally published then I take it. No. So I worked with that editor at Penguin for about two years, going back and forth on the manuscript and I never got a deal. And that was devastating. Um, You know, yeah, it was really hard, but that book two years later would make the New York times bestseller list after I self-published it. So in hindsight, yeah. So in hindsight, that was a really valuable experience. I mean, working with her, it made the book a better book, but it took me a while to get over it, you know, cause it was so hard, you know, working with someone for so long and then not actually getting a book deal. But now I can look back and say, you know, it was all just part of the process and it was all, all for good. So let's talk about that process um, because lots of self-published authors dream about making the New York Times bestsellers list, but very few are able to pull it off. So congratulations. Thank you. I'd like to know what it takes to be a New York Times bestseller. Like how do they they even decide who's going to be one (laughs) And, and what you, or I should say what the criteria are and then how you did it. So um, the criteria, how they decide, that is all fiercely protected information that you and I can only speculate about. However, I can tell you that if you can sell um, 5,000 books in a relatively short period of time or within a month, uh, then you have a shot. Now, the New York Times redid their bestseller list a few years ago where they added these monthly categories. That makes it a lot easier for 
self-published little people like me to have a chance at making the list. Um, the first book that made the New York Times bestseller list was Hair of the Corn Dog. <laughs> and that, that was the third book in that parenting humor series. And I know I knew when it happened why it made the list. I knew exactly why. Um, how I found out was kind of weird. Like nobody calls you. You know, it's not like <laughs> it's not like you get a notice or anything. You have to be paying attention or have someone else who's paying attention. So uh, a mutual Facebook friend of ours, Jen Mann, announced yeah. that she had made the New York Times bestseller list, and I was super happy for her. And I was like sharing it and on Facebook and everything. And, and I went to the link where she, you know, her book was listed. And then I, I sort of thought, man, I hope someday I can do that. And there's a search bar and just out of curiosity, I typed my name in and nothing came up. It won't come up if you just search your name. And then I, I typed my, the title of my book in hair of the corn dog. And damn it, if the page didn't come up. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it had actually happened like two months prior and I didn't oh even know gosh. it. Again, I, don't, I didn't have an agent. I was just a little old me, right? But I knew once I saw it, I knew why it had happened. I had run a BookBub ad and that ad had generated a huge spike in sales of the ebook. So, and, and then even when the ad stops running, it continues with a huge spike in sales. And so I had enough sales within a, a small period of time that, that I made the list. Um, so cool. And then a few months later, uh, I had an agent. I was at that time working with an agent who is not my current agent, but um, she sent me an email. She said, hey, look what I stumbled across today. And the first book in the series, This Little Piggy Went to the Liquor Store, was on one of the lists. And that time I was shocked. I had not run an ad. The book had been out for two years. I had no idea why it was on there. So I went to, you know, my Amazon, the KDP rankings and, and looked at the numbers and they were all pretty normal. There was no spike or anything. And so then I went into the back end of Barnes and Noble and I looked or no, I, I went just straight to Barnes and Noble and I just typed in, um, I just clicked on like humor uh -huh. and up popped my book. They had like featured it in between, you know, Tina Fey and Chelsea Handler or some, I can't wow. remember exactly, but it was two like really famous people with, and someone at Barnes and Noble, I don't know who I'd like to thank them. I'd like to ask them to do it again. But for some reason they put my cover in between these other to celebrities and that alone just that placement wow skyrocketed sales and so that's how that one made the list that's so cool i, I mean it, uh it's sad for our audience because those are two things that we can't just <laughs> replicate no you you and i've tried to to replicate yeah i've tried to um you know i, I still try for bookbub ads they're very difficult to get that's what I was going to ask you next, because that's what I've heard. I was like, okay, so what's the secret to get in on BookBub? Now, I, I heard them speak at um, at the IBPA, I mean, at the Book Expo in New York this summer. And they said, you know, there are certain genres that they have always have a need for, like really good cookbooks and things like that, mm -hmm. that you don't see published all the time. But parenting, wow, that's a tough, that's a tough one to crack. How'd you do it? Uh, I just apply and apply. I mean, they reject me. <laughs> 
20 times for every time I, I get an ad. And the last time I got an ad with them, uh, they said, okay, but we're only going to run it in Australia and India and Canada, I think. <laughs> and <Okay>. so, <laughs> yeah, so that didn't really pan out the same way. So, I mean, I've, I've run a bunch of ads with them. One time it made that huge difference. You know, every other time it's, it's, you know, I just hope that it breaks even, but yeah. Right. So, um, with those other times, do you, do you see a spike? Do you think it's worth the money that you put into it? If I can get the ad placed in the U S yes. Uh, the time that they've given me ads, but it's been in other countries, it, it hasn't really been worth it. But you don't know until you try, you know, I mean, a lot of these things, you just have to try. Absolutely. Well, okay. So um, when you submit a book, what type of stuff are they looking for? Do they need to see a certain amount of reviews or um, have you gotten any feedback on when they reject you, why they rejected you? No, you pretty much get um, a form letter, but they will refer you to their, you know, their information page that will tell you you know, is your cover good enough? Is your title good enough? Do you have reviews? If you don't have any reviews, you're not ready to submit for a book bub ad. Um, it used, the thinking used to be that you should have at least 20 good reviews, you know, with a four to five star rating on your book on Amazon. Um, now you might need even more than that because so many people know about it now and it has worked in some ways, like for people like me, that one time that it did. Um, but you, you just have to create an, an account, a profile. You have to link to where your book exists as an ebook on different platforms. You have to be willing to discount your book. Uh, it's best if you can be flexible with the days that that you request the ad for. And sometimes they'll say, you know what? No, I can't give you humor, but we're willing to put you in memoir, you know, or vice versa. Sometimes they'll offer you a different category and each category has a different price point because each category has a different size audience and so right. on. Right. As hard as it is, it's, it's worth trying. It costs you nothing to try to submit. Absolutely. And when you run these, do you see a bump in your other book sales? Sometimes, yes. I mean, if if the ad is truly successful and there's a good spike in sales, certainly there was, you know, the time that it um, really made went. the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we tend to think like, what's the one thing that I need to do? Right. And really it's it's the amassing of a bunch of different efforts that come together. And I think you just have to trust in that process and keep moving forward. Um, so, yeah. So you said, um, well, about how long was it from the time? Okay. So two years, you never got your deal. You decided I'm going to self-publish this bad boy. What were the, um, how long did it take you before you started to see consistent sales or did you go right out the bat with a good marketing plan? How, how, how did you do your book launch and, and how were sales in those first few months? I was really just faking everything, had no <laughs> idea what I was supposed to do. Um, I mean, I think I had a book launch party cause I like parties, but uh-huh. uh, I, I am not, strategic. I am not a mastermind at how to work these things. Um, I think 
I, I put it out there and I didn't, I didn't know if it would sell. I didn't know if anybody would like it. Um, and I got really good responses from people. Um, now some people hated me, you know, I, I get plenty of hate mail just like anybody else. Um, but overall people really responded to it well and sales went up and then, um, and then I had a year where they were like really good and really steady. And then it sort of plateaus after a while. But I mean, right out the gate, I was just like, oh, I wrote a book. Does anybody want to read it? You know, and when people did, I was, I was amazed. It was wonderful. Yeah. And then I started writing the sequel immediately. Yeah, that's great. And how long in between books was it? I published This Little Piggy Went to the Liquor Store in 2012. Mommy had a little flask in 2013 and hair of the corn dog in 2014. So where's your next one? So I published Vagabonding with Kids in 2016 and then Vagabonding with Kids. It's funny how I forget. It's like last year. Vagabonding <laughs> with Kids Australia also in 2016. And then this year I published Vagabonding with Kids Brazil and Vagabonding with Kids Alaska. So now with wow. this series, I'm, I'm up to two books a year. That's awesome. And I mean, I hear a lot of people say that the way to get more book sales is to publish more books. Do you yeah. find that? Yeah, a absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, anytime we do any sort of outreach or try to get our, our name out there on social media, that that all helps, right? It's, it's that idea of all these little efforts coming together for a a big one. The same is definitely true with book titles. And that's why it's good for people starting out. If they, they want to write a book, but they're not sure yet go for anthologies, you know, see yeah. if you can participate in that sort of thing, because all of that helps. It all adds together. I was going to ask you about that. So you were in two of Jen Mann's books mm -hmm. then, right? So, mm -hmm. so, um, and what was that? Were those before, during, after, where did they fall in the placement of your books? Those were after, I think, uh, Jen Mann, who is a powerhouse at marketing and is good at all of that stuff. She, she was watching the humor, the lists. She wanted to know who were the other bestsellers and, and what was going on. So she saw me on Amazon and saw that our, our books would often appear near each other. And so she contacted me and I said, sure, I'd love to participate in an anthology. And I had done an anthology with Traveler's Tales before, and I didn't have high expectations because of my previous experience. Um, the one before that I did, you know, they, you write an essay, they pay a hundred bucks, you get a copy of the book and that's it. Nothing right. ever happens. Right. right. Jen Mann manages to create an incredible sense of community within her authors. Uh -huh. There are authors from those anthologies who I consider definite friends now. You know, we, we promote each other, we help each other. And all of that really leads to the book's successes. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So that, those were really great experiences. And Jen, we've met a couple times now. I consider her a friend. She's, she's fantastic. I, I like Jen a lot too. Um, I've interviewed her a couple times and met her at some different occasions and I just love her. Just like, this is who I am. Take yeah. me as I am, you know, kind of no yeah. nonsense stuff, but it, it is incredible. And she's definitely, if you are in this sphere of humor, writing, blogging and book writing, um, Jen is definitely somebody you should be following and taking notes from because she's, and for anybody who's not familiar with her name, her success really launched when she wrote the, um, 
well, she's the people I want to punch in the throat series, but she wrote an article uh, about overachieving elf on the shelf moms that just went nutso and uh, really launched her career. So she's, she's a fun one to follow. Mm-hmm. I can imagine working on a project with her would be, would be a lot of fun. Well, she is, she is business, you know, she yes. is. Um, <laughs> but I, on the occasions where we've, I've brought her to Boise a couple times to do the Idaho Writers Guild conference and she's just a blast. She's just a blast. But when it comes to work, you know, it is work. Right. You get it done. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. So, mm-hmm. so what's that all about? The Writers Guild. Oh, um, the Idaho Writers Guild is just a nonprofit, and I've been on the board for years. I just love it. It's just a group of writers um, who want to promote other writers. And when I first discovered them, I hadn't written a book or anything, and just finding that sense of community. Now, you can find that online, obviously, but finding it in person is really beneficial as well. And so it's just an organization that I volunteer with, and I care a lot about it. And I believe most states have the writer's guilds. Um, I know I was involved in one for a while. You just reminded me that I think I need to up my membership again. Yeah. (laughs) There are plenty of writer's organizations out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what else do you want to share with us today? We've talked about the books. Do you have something in the works right now? Yes. Right now I'm writing the draft of Vagabonding with Kids Spain. So that'll be book five in the travel humor series. One thing that so when I write a draft, um, well, when I, when I travel, when I take these trips, I take, you know, 50 to a hundred pages of notes and then I'll have a big binder crammed with receipts and pamphlets and maps and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I come back home and then I'll spend two days outlining the book. And I tried to use Scrivener once oh, and I'm too. just not smart enough to <laughs> use Scrivener. Like I, I don't get it either. I missed that day of school. so. I here's how I outline my books. I get two 69 cent poster boards and a ruler and a pencil. And I section the two poster boards out into uh, 10 rectangles on each board. So 20 total. And then I take all my notes and I sort of make, I make little scribbles in these different rectangles for what's going to happen in each chapter. Mm-hmm. So when I'm finished, I have these two giant poster boards just crammed with information, but it's a perfect map for then writing the draft because everything is laid out. I know the order of everything. I know how the end of this chapter connects to the beginning of the next chapter and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then I, I schedule my writing. So like you, I have children. Uh, I never schedule a writing day when the children are home never do it. I've tried and and I've learned from that. Yeah. It's an exercise in frustration, but on days when I don't have any other meetings or anything like that, or, and the kids are at school, I schedule a writing day and I will write 5,000 words a day. And I, so I write 5,000 words a day and then I'm writing a draft up to 70,000 words. So in 14 working days, I can have the draft of my book done. So, and so if I have two to three writing days per week, that means I write the draft in about five weeks. Wow. Um, That's great. And so I I just, it's just interesting because I meet so many people who are like, oh, I want to write a book, but I just don't have the time, but they can tell you everything that happened on the last season of Dancing with the Stars, you know, I'm like, really? 
You don't, it, you don't have a, any it's time. A, it's a prioritization <laughs> thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when, I, I think it's super important too for writers to know that when you write that first draft, it's okay if it's really, really awful. Yes. It's supposed yeah. to be. Exactly. Yeah. I was speaking with, um, with another writer and she was telling us how she does, um, what she calls, she, she has labeled them her shitty first draft. Mm -hmm. She'll take, she'll take a weekend and she'll just plow through it and just get it out. And and, and it's so true. I mean, if you, if you, I, I, I often tell people, I'm like, just sit down and write. Don't try to self edit. Don't get stopped. If there's someplace that you need to do research, you can come back, you know, those types of things, but it's so much easier once you have 50,000 words to go back and fix and to correct than it is as if you just sit there and say, well, this paragraph is horrible. I can't move on. You'll never move on. Yep. Absolutely. And I think I did that for years. I think I would try to write and I'd write a sentence and be like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. And so you erase it. <laughs> right. You can't, you just got to keep moving forward so that you have something to work with. That's absolutely correct. I appreciate you sharing that technique because I think that's a really good idea. I think um, organizing like that is the same way. Um, um, I do something similar, but I do it just on paper. And I think having a, a, a poster board that I could stick up on the wall and really just have would be a, a great way to keep me going with my with the outline and knowing how to keep organized. So I love that tip. It works for me because I need to see it all in like one big thing. You know, yes. I, I can't scroll through a Word document. I have to be able to like look and see how it all connects. Yeah. yeah. I do. I like to use sticky notes. So it's kind of the mm-hmm. same, same idea, but um, the poster board probably is less, uh, less of a mess and they don't fall down and fall off the right. wall and get lost and all that good yeah. stuff. <laughs> right. I love it. Um, uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you as we were, so, so you have made your life as a full-time writer. You mentioned something about an agent does this mean you're looking for traditional? Have you gone traditional since you self-published or are you just using an agent so that you can help keep everything organized and together? So the first series I self-published, the travel series that I'm doing now, Vagabonding with Kids, I, um, I'm with a hybrid publisher. So it's mm-hmm. not a traditional publisher. Um, they do exercise discretion. So it's not a total vanity. You can't, not anybody can do it, but you have to pay for that upfront print run, which is a really uncomfortable place to be. Um, But I have an agent now who is going to shop the first series, the humor series. Um, So like Jen Mann, who we were speaking about, she self-published people I want to punch in the throat, but then it got picked up by a major publisher. So this agent is trying to do something similar, take a book, a self-published book that had some success and then present it to see if it can be republished to reach a, a wider audience. Gotcha. That's a great plan. I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. So um, when you're writing these books, then it, so a hybrid publisher traditionally does not give advances. Are they working Correct. with you in a, okay. So, so when you go on these trips, you're, you're footing the whole bill and Yes. Praying that the books sell enough for you to make the money back, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's that's great. And I, I mean, who knows? Maybe those will take off and somebody will come pick them up and you'll get traditionally published for those as well. I think the only thing you can do is just keep moving forward, keep writing. And again, you just trust that it's all going to come together. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been very successful and congratulations for all of those big things. And I know that more big things are coming to you. Thank you. I feel it. I feel it. Uh, <laughs> Yay. But thank you for sharing all of these tips with our audience. I know it's going to be uh, really helpful, especially, especially just the encouragement that it doesn't happen necessarily right out the door. You right. can still have success if you don't get picked up by a traditional publisher, which I hear so many people say, I don't want to self-publish, yeah. but there's no reason to think that you have to be traditionally published. And then the whole idea of just keep going, just keep going and yeah. you'll, you'll see results. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you. And where can people find you in your books? Well, thank you so much. This is super fun. Um, vagabondingwithkids.com. And then of course, I'm on Facebook as Amanda Turner, as AK Turner, as Vagabonding with Kids. So that's all there. And Twitter at Vagabonding Kids. So yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.